Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. The question I will be answering today is, how does the Old Testament law apply to us today? Before I answer that specific question, allow me to comment on the Old Testament as a whole. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, the Old Testament is still infinitely valuable and relevant because it is the Word of God. As 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. When the text says all Scripture, it really means all Scripture is inspired by God. This includes the Old Testament. God was not wasting his breath, so every verse from Genesis through Malachi is very profitable to us. As Puritan Thomas Watson says in his classic Body of Divinity, quote, God stamped a divine majesty on both testaments. Until they can show me where God has repealed the old, it stands in force. End quote. Now I will dig into the question at hand. How does the Old Testament law apply today? When I say Old Testament law, I am referring to the Mosaic law or the 600 plus commandments and rules found in Genesis through Deuteronomy. The simple answer is that the Old Testament law applies to us now in three ways. These three ways were originally outlined by the theologian John Calvin hundreds of years ago. First, the Old Testament law applies to us today because it reveals God's character. Knowing God's character applies to all people everywhere all the time because God is sovereign. The law reveals God's character because it acts as a mirror. When we look into that mirror, we see God's reflection, and in His reflection, we see His perfect righteousness. In that mirror, we also see our own reflection, and when we look at ourselves, we see our own character of sinfulness. That is, the law tells us in clear and specific terms what sin is, and knowing what sin is also awakens us to the fact that we are sinners. Sinners require a pardon, so the mirror of the law points us to the one through whom we are pardoned, Jesus. The law is also burdensome and frustrating, which again leads us to Christ, who can deliver us from the law. As Augustine once wrote, quote, the law bids us, as we try to fulfill its requirements and become wearied in our weakness under it, to know how to ask the help of grace. End quote. Ultimately, the law reflects the perfect character of God, and since God is unchanging, if we dismiss certain parts of the law, we do violence to the character of God. Second, the Old Testament law applies to us today because it restrains evil. Truly, the law cannot change people, but it can enact a penalty if someone does something wrong. In other words, all of the thou shall nots are backed by a civil code that administers punishment for breaking the law. In restraining evil, the law therefore maintains civil order so that those who pursue righteousness will not be molested by those who pursue wickedness. Hence, in the second use of the law, the law not only applies to modernity, but also benefits society as a whole. It restrains sin and prevents people from being as bad as they could be. Third, the Old Testament law applies to us today because it tells us how to live a godly life. Remember that God gave us the law for our benefit. As our Heavenly Father, the Lord wants His children to do what is good and pleasing to Him. 
So, as children in God's house, we obey the rules that our spiritual father has set forth out of the love that we have for him. It's important to note that we don't look at the law as a way to obtain salvation because we are already saved through faith in Christ. Rather, now that the elect are already saved, we ask ourselves, how do I please the God whom I love? The answer can be found in God's law. As it says in 1 Corinthians 9.21 and Galatians 6.2, the elect live under the law of Christ as a rule to live by, not to get saved by. With all of that now on the table, it is crucial to understand that when Jesus arrived in the New Testament, he changed everything. As it says in Matthew 5.17-18, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Notice what Jesus says here, that he did not come to abolish, meaning his purpose is not to do away with the law. But he says, I did come to fulfill. This means the law is still God's law, but Christ's work changes how we interact with the law. So how does Jesus change things? He says it himself. He was the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Fulfillment does not mean that Christ instituted a new religion, but fulfilled what was already established in the Old Testament. Thus, there were certain requirements in the law that found their complete satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Christ's fulfillment therefore changes how we interact with the law today. The most dramatic case of change applies to the ceremonial laws. We no longer have a physical temple because Jesus is the temple. We no longer have dietary restrictions because Jesus is the bread in whom we find contentment. In ceremonial law, you had a high priest that served a life term in the temple. The high priest was never permanent because once the high priest died, the people got a new high priest. Hebrews 4.14 tells us that Jesus is our ultimate and final great high priest. Also in the ceremonial law, an animal was sacrificed to atone for sin. All of these sacrifices were temporary and inadequate. They pointed forward to Christ, who decisively ended the sacrificial system forever. He was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices in that he paid the full and final price for sin by the shedding of his blood on the cross. Thus, John 1.29, 1 Corinthians 5.7, and Hebrews 7.27 say that Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So now we don't need a human priest or the blood of an animal to reconcile us. We have Jesus, who is the God-man who bridges the gap between God and man by his personal mediation. Christ's fulfillment also changes how we interact with the civil components of the Old Testament law. When I say civil component, I am referring to the laws that established and regulated the political nation of Israel that was composed of a specific people with a particular bloodline. After Christ, his news was global, so we no longer have a biological Israel, but a spiritual Israel that includes anyone who professes faith in the Messiah. So because of Jesus, we don't apply the civil laws as they were in the past because the people of God are no longer a political entity. God has a new spiritual people of Israel, and those people constitute the church. We are no longer a state, but a borderless tribe that extends throughout all four corners of the earth. How this applies is apparent. 
In the Old Testament, for example, the civil law said someone who committed a capital sin could be stoned. Now, the church does not stone anyone, but it can excommunicate a person from the church for unrepentant sin. The final part of the Old Testament law is the moral law or those commandments that tell us what is right and what is wrong. Exodus 20.16 is an example. It says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Of course, we don't bear false witness because lying is wrong. Now, did the fulfillment of Christ change the moral law? It did not. It's still wrong to commit idolatry. It's still wrong to sleep with a woman who is not your wife. It's still a bad idea to covet. It still is a good idea to worship no one other than God alone, to honor your parents, and to honor the Sabbath. Christ's work did not alter the morality of the moral law. Rather, on our behalf, he fulfilled the penalty for breaking any of the moral laws. The last thing I will say about how Jesus changes how we interact with the law is this. The law tells us clearly and plainly that the Old Testament was never arbitrary, neither did God make a mistake. What it tells us is that by design from the very beginning, the law pointed forward to Jesus. If people forget about the Old Testament, they will be missing something. They will be missing all of the glorious promises in the Old Testament. You see, not only did Christ pay the price for all the bad, he also opened the door to a new, full participation in God's good promises. What does this mean? This means exactly what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. In other words, all of God's wonderful and glorious promises in the entire Old Testament are yours when you are in Christ. In Christ, we say yea and amen because Christ has secured all God's Old Testament promises for us. If we dismiss the Old Testament, we also dismiss every good promise that God made to his people from Genesis to Malachi. We dismiss gracious, heartfelt, encouraging, empowering, inspiring, and hope-infusing promises like Exodus 14.14, Deuteronomy 31.8, Joshua 1.9, 2 Chronicles 7.14, Psalm 1.1-3, Psalm 118.6, Isaiah 40.29, Isaiah 41.10, Jeremiah 29.11, and Habakkuk 3.18-19. Seen this way, the Old Testament is a treasure box brimming over with golden nuggets of promises upon promises. So I know we've touched upon many areas in today's podcast, so I will summarize. Does the Old Testament apply to us today? Absolutely. How does the Old Testament law apply to us today? It applies in that it reveals God's character, it tells us what is sinful so that we do not sin, and it guides us on how to live a godly life. Has the way in which the Old Testament law applies, has that changed? Yes. Why has it changed? Because of Jesus. Because he fulfilled the law. Does that mean that we should ignore the law or that the law is bad? Absolutely not. Some parts of the law were right for particular people in time, but now that Jesus has come, he has fulfilled the law and important things have changed. So what's the best approach to reading, interpreting, and applying the Bible? To read all of it 
and take everything the Bible says in the context of everything else it says. So, we don't read the New Testament only and then ignore everything in the Old Testament. Neither do we appropriate Old Testament laws as if Jesus did not exist. We are informed by the Old Testament, cognizant of what Christ has already accomplished. At the end of the day, we must all be able to join in with what the psalmist says in Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love your law. The law of God is the word of God, and the word of God will always be profitable to us, no matter what testament it is in. Let us rejoice that by his grace, God gifted us with his divine revelation, and each of his revealed words are more precious than gold and more refined than silver. The Old Testament points us to the brutal fact that the law cannot save us. In other words, the Old Testament points us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.